Hello, 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 and welcome to Philosophy 19. My name is Cameron Shepard, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. This is a re-release of the first episode I released at the beginning of the year. I was so inspired by the openness and vulnerability of the people that I've been interviewing that I felt compelled to come back and get more open and honest about my own connection with storytelling and my own story. Because that's really what this podcast is all about, collecting and sharing honest stories from 19 and 20 year olds. So the theme of this episode is still the same, storytelling. But I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into storytelling itself and get a little bit more vulnerable about my own story. I hadn't really contemplated the immense power of storytelling until I read a book by Jonathan Gottschall called The Storytelling Animal. In his book, Gottschall does a fantastic job of illustrating how story was a part of human evolution and explaining why humans crave stories so deeply. Because if you think about it, story is all around us all the time. From movies, to TV shows, to our phones, to books, to advertisements, everyone is trying to sell us a story. And at the same time, we're creating and selling our own story. On social media platforms like Instagram and Snapchat, you can post to your story. We are constantly surrounded by story and simultaneously writing our own. Stories are the foundations of belief systems, cultures, and values. Even if you subscribe to a particular religion, you at least have to acknowledge that there are thousands of other stories about God or gods, and each has its own base of believers. Stories have helped us to define the world. We're a species that craves definition, and when we lacked understanding, we created stories that helped us to better interpret the world. Stories help us find meaning and purpose in our lives, and they connect us unlike anything else. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast with somebody else right now, your brains are having similar chemical experiences. And if you go to a live performance, your brain is having a similar chemical experience as a performer or performers. And when we really connect to a story, our brains release dopamine, which further connects us to the story and embeds it in our memories. This is why stories are so important and so powerful. They've shaped the world from these monumental institutions like government and religion to something as seemingly mundane as money. Money is based on a cultural recognition that some coin or token has value. In essence, it's a story. And when we believe that a story is true or real, it takes on a whole new level of significance for us. This is why you'll see based on a true story plastered everywhere when a film or book is even semi-biographical. For me personally, in researching my heritage, my relatives became realer when I could read stories about them or find newspaper clippings about them. They became more tangible to me and those are the ones that I remember best. Tangibility is so important. In many religions, there's a huge emphasis placed on visual representation. Now, story and religion is something that could be spoken about forever and quite frankly, I have zero expertise on it. But it's fascinating because if you think about Christianity and Catholicism in particular, there's a 
great significance placed on the crucifix in depictions of Christ's suffering because those representations elicit a strong emotional response for us and it's something that connects us on a deeper level with that story of Jesus's passion. Many institutions, religious and non-religious, use images to connect their members with their missions. And in these cases, tangible story is a very powerful tool. What I wanted to use this time to do was to try and illustrate why I believe that story is so important, but to also address its toxicity. Because I believe that some of the most powerful stories are the ones we tell ourselves about ourselves. We look in the mirror and we tell ourselves we're not the right size, we don't have the right face, we're not as intelligent, we don't have the right job, we're not as successful, we're not as talented, we're not enough. We're not as enough as everybody else. And these stories are toxic. When I was in high school, oh so many years ago, I wrote myself into this perfect narrative that I could never live up to, but I firmly believed that I could. In this narrative, the protagonist was a perfect student. She was class president. She did everything to tick off the boxes to get into an Ivy League school. There, she would graduate summa cum laude and attend the law school of her choice. After law school, she would have a successful career in human rights law. She'd have a family. She'd travel the world. And on the side, she'd perform in community theater plays to fulfill her own artistic needs. And then eventually, she'd run for political office. Sounds super realistic, right? I mean, I will say it's slightly more realistic than my sixth grade ambition to become an FBI agent slash wedding planner. But this isn't how life works for most of us. And when it didn't work for me, I put that on myself. And it destroyed a part of me. I think one of the most difficult things we can do as people is to accept who we are and reject the story of who we think we should be. It's something that I'm still working on. It started with changing my major. I mean, I am in college, I had to do it once, you know? And I went from political science to film production, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I quit the debate team, and I auditioned and got a part in the play. I started this little baby podcast. And every day, I try to focus less on where I think I'm supposed to be, and more on where I am. Because, as far as I know, I only get one life. And the pen is in my hand. Your pen is in your hand. And that's terrifying. That's so much pressure. But at the same time, it's extremely liberating. And of course, risky choices are always going to have repercussions. I've been asked if I'm going to enjoy my film degree as much when I can't afford rent. But to be honest, I don't know that I would have enjoyed my law degree at all, even if I was sitting in a cushy house in the Hamptons. I mean, let's be real, I probably couldn't afford that. But you get my point. We have to write narratives that are true to ourselves. And I love story, and I'm so grateful I'm able to study one form of storytelling. But I also study global and international relations, and I know how lethal a story can be. The example that comes immediately to mind is genocide. And I know that probably reflects poorly on my character, but in my defense, I did take a class. And something we talked about a lot was the power of words to dehumanize an ethnicity to the point where perpetrators would believe that the people they were killing weren't human but were some sort of disease 
or infestation that needed to be rooted out of their country. And this doesn't excuse the perpetrators in any way, but it does help explain why these things happen. In Rwanda, for example, there is a long history of stories surrounding the Hutu and Tutsi ethnicities, but the propaganda that began circulating was that the Tutsis were cockroaches. They were an infestation in Rwanda that needed to be exterminated. Neighbor turned against neighbor and over 800,000 people were killed in one of the most horrific events in human history. And of course, the issue is a lot more complex than what I've said about it, so if you're at all interested in learning more about this, I would highly, highly suggest Paul Rusesa Begina's book, Hotel Rwanda. It's one that we read in class, and it really just blew my mind, and it really profoundly examines the power of words in such desperate situations. There's an important debate about whether media causes more harm than it does good, and as a film student, cute kid in a cafe with a vegan latte wearing a beanie and hipster glasses and making Citizen Kane references? It's something I think about all the time. There are negative effects that are really close to us, body dysmorphia being one of them. This partially results from how we portray women in the media. And then there are things like the conflict in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Don't get excited, I took a class, I'm not that independently knowledgeable. But 8 million people have died in conflicts resulting from the resource war for the materials that make up our electronics. Suffering is not comparative, but statistically, this has caused more deaths than the Holocaust. I can give you a plot summary of every film up for Oscar nomination this year, but five months ago, I couldn't tell you where the Democratic Republic of the Congo is. At first, I thought that this was just a result of me being ignorant about what's happening in the world. And of course, we can always work to be more cognizant of the things going on. But as I talked to more and more people, I realized that the media plays a huge role in how information is disseminated, and they cater to the interests of the public. I'll be scrolling through my newsfeed on my phone, and I'll just be repeatedly bombarded by these pollution pieces. And I don't mean climate change, so that's also important. At this point, I feel like if the news app was personified, my typical conversation with it would be, Hello, yes, I would like to know what's going on in the world, please. Meghan Markle's left ankle is slightly different than her right. Is Harry cheating? No, I mean, like, news. News. Kanye West visited Africa this week. Do you have any more news articles about Africa? Kanye West visited Africa this week. That's the only news for the whole continent. Kanye West visited Africa this week. Okay, uh, how about, like, um, breaking news? Do you have any breaking news? Ariana Grande just sneezed in a cafe! That was an attempt at comedy, but when I look at trending stories in my news app, there are constantly pieces like that that are in the first, second, third spots. Meanwhile, the DRC barely gets coverage. This is an example of what political scientists call stealth conflicts, because they go on without anyone caring. Things media companies take into consideration, revenue, of course, and also things like compassion fatigue. We'd rather have pollution pieces than stories about conflicts going on that we can't control. But the more the public is interested in a specific issue, the more likely the government is to act. The public is powerful. The government caters to it as well. Blood diamonds were a neatly kept secret until the story gained traction. And then suddenly it was everywhere. It impacted legislature, the diamond industry, consumers. All of this happened because the public knew about it, and they cared about it. And the government took note of that. 
Companies took note of that. As a global society, we are writing humanity's story, and our individual choices can have a huge impact on that. We have to be responsible consumers, both of products and also of media. There's nothing wrong with reading pollution pieces. The danger comes in reading only pollution pieces. We have to support stories that illuminate the truth of what's happening in the world. Then we can rewrite the narrative. We can affect change. Gottschall mentions that a narrative that we keep coming back to is the triumph of good over evil. And in this story, in our story, we may not have complete control, but we can do everything in our power to make sure that good triumphs over evil. Because those stories remind us of the beauty of being human. Thank you so much for listening to my re-release. As I continue writing a narrative that's true to myself, I really wanted to re-release an episode that better reflected who I am. Who knows, we really only have one life, but I do know that I only have one podcast. So if you liked this, please check out more episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you didn't like this, I can guarantee you you'll love the upcoming episodes. The interviewees are so open and vulnerable and they have such compelling, captivating stories that I know you'll love. Until next time, this has been Philosophy 19. Stay cool. Keep writing that story, bruh.